This episode of Bulldogs Our Podcast is brought to you by Bulldogs NFT. We are three dumb digs aiming to make a huge difference in the Web3 space. For more information regarding our Bulldogs NFT project, head to our socials, Bulldogs underscore NFT on both Instagram and Twitter, and our website, www.bulldogsnftrange.com. The Wardogs Hour podcast aims to inspire people by sharing real-life experiences and what possibilities we have at our fingertips using our connections, skills and disciplines learned from our time in the military. Let's spin some mad worries and have a laugh. Hi, boys. I have a question for the men. What the fuck do you want? What is it? I can't figure it out. Sarah is the founder of Dijo Life, a holistic approach to healing that has now amassed a community of over 50,000 women globally. She's a personal mentor to women looking to reduce the stress of high-functioning anxiety. She's a published author, a yoga instructor, and a life coach. She's a 15-year military naval officer and veteran of Global War on Terror and a recipient of the Hugh Parthard Memorial Award for Excellence in Leadership. Sarah is an international Category A hydrographic surveyor, postgraduate University of Plymouth, undergraduate degree BA UNSW. She is also a graduate of the Australian Defence Force Academy. Sarah, good afternoon. And I must say, it's an honour to have you on the podcast today. Your resume is nothing short of astonishing. And thank you for accepting our invitation and having us in your store to conduct this podcast this afternoon. Oh, thanks for dropping by, guys. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks for listening. I love hearing the feedback on your bio. You're like, oh, she sounds excited. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, look, I um, did a bit of LinkedIn research there and I was like, yeah, copy and paste, here we go. Um, But you came under extreme recommendation from my partner, Kelly, at Legal Aid. Oh, that's lovely. She said, um, you're a must to get on the show and we've been working towards it and now we are here today. I know, it's very exciting. We literally just shut the shop too, so. Perfect. Yeah. Um, We won't have any intruders like the last episode, but I think we're going to keep that on there, (laughs) actually. So it was was pretty funny, actually. So just a random walking in as we're discussing... um, it was more of an alpha chat, so she would have got a bit of a rude shock, I reckon. <laughs> um, it was interesting. She just sort of whoop. Um, firstly, we'd love to know when and why did you join the Navy? Yeah, it's an interesting story. So I'm from a long line of veterans. My mm. pop was actually um, POW, World War II. My dad's a Vietnam veteran. Yep. Um, it was never something that I'd... I don't remember consciously as a child thinking, you know, I'm going to be a military officer. I think I was just, I was always surrounded by war stories from the youngest age and the stories were always self-sacrificing and heroic. And so I think when you're constantly exposed to that subliminally, you know, that seeps into you. And my dad had always wanted to join the Navy and he used to tell a great story that he went, um, must have been down in the Adelaide Rundle Mall and he went to join the Navy and he was out to lunch but the local copper was out the front and he said, what are you doing, lad? And dad said, oh, I'm going to join the Navy. He said, you don't want to join the Navy, come and join the cops. <laughs> and dad went, oh. So dad went off to be a policeman. So I think that too, dad was always like, you know, the Navy would be great. Wouldn't the Navy yeah. be great? Yep. So I guess I sort of turned 15 and my dad was like, what are you going to do? I think you should join the Navy. And I went, oh, yeah, that sounds all right. 
And literally that sort of was about, I guess, how it came about. I think there was always a part of me that loved the idea, particularly of travel and leadership came quite naturally to me. I enjoyed it, enjoyed responsibility. So I was like, yeah. Yeah, Is that that what drew you to uh, the officer's? Side of things? Yeah, I think Navy in particular at that time was probably um, the best for females, you know, it had the sure. most opportunities. Because, sure. I, I mean, I'm quite warry by nature. So, I, you know, I didn't want to do logistics or like if I was going to be in the military, I wanted to be shooting guns. Yeah, yeah, awesome. The Navy really gave me that opportunity yep. to do that without any of those sort of barriers to sex or... Yeah, so I guess that Navy was the most exciting to me. And Well, from, from I mean, we're, the three of us are Army boys, so it's a, it's a not really known area either, like, the, the, really that we know or that I know too much about. So it's interesting hearing other people's stories from... Yeah, Navy's, yeah, Navy was always, you know, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit Peter Pan, you know, you get out and see the world and it's a bit of the Wild West, you know, there's not quite as many rules you go to foreign countries yep. and you get to do things people never get to do so that yeah. really appealed to an adventurer like me too oh especially when you're young yeah like, yeah i feel as though we got lied to like i um blatantly got told that i was going to travel the world uh, you know i saw um, <laughs> yeah. hamel um more hamel um dubai mount bundy mount bundy a lot of mount bundy yeah <laughs> and then afghan but yeah definitely didn't travel the world i mean yeah, so I by think, 18, I think we'd open the friendship bridge in Vietnam and I'll, I'll stop because I don't want to make you feel yeah. no, Oh, no, 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 no go, go for God. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting, no, yeah. It, it'd be good <laughs> so it might turn more people away from joining the green machine and maybe <laughs> to the blue machine might be a more sensible off. Yeah, well, um, that's it. I've heard I've heard really good glory stories from the Navy, you know, yeah. uh, from, from other guys <sighs> in other podcasts and the stories they tell – Sounds like a pretty, like, fun and exciting sort of Yeah, look, when gig, you're yeah. young and you don't have responsibilities, family and that, it's mm. a fabulous, yep. you know, adventure. It yeah. really is. Yeah. yeah. I, I would uh, recommend joining the Navy. I feel as though the Army did more damage to me than good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, hang on, we're not I'm, going down that line. Oh, we'll, <laughs> well, just sitting here, Navy my knees are hurting. Yeah, a crusty young bloke over here whinging about his injuries, eh? 65-year-old body and a 30 Yeah. Anyway, um, so deployment-wise, um, where did you deploy to and how was your experience on deployment? Yeah, again, it, it's interesting. So I'd, uh, we were really lucky. We travelled sort of a lot before September 11 happened. And I remember we were going to do a big, um, must have been a multinational exercise and we were going all through the Americas. But then obviously September 11 happened. And I can remember watching it live and going, I think my world trip is off. <laughs> like, did I literally? Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. And then, you know, as the rest is history, but I think within... Oh, it must have been four months. We were deployed to the Persian Gulf. Um, so, yeah, that that was interesting for me because, you know, you only sort of train. And I was still only 21, I think, you know, and I was a newly qualified officer of the watch. And, you know, it's a, it's a whole different ball game when, you know, it's midnight, the Persian Gulf and Dows are coming towards you and all of a sudden you're making life and death decisions. Yeah, yeah. You know, at 21 still, because, you know, looking back, you really are a kid still yeah. at 21. Like, yeah. you're young, you're trained, but you're still very young. And, you know, there's 300 people yeah. asleep on the ship. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's a big wake-up call very fast. Mm. And then I guess, you know, there's all the hassles with that. How do you deal with that? Um, 
you know, as you get older, how do you make peace? How do you come back from that adrenaline? And I think that's you see that a lot with PTSD. How do I how do I come back then and be a mum or have a yep. normal life? For you sure. Know, when I've been doing this at twenty one, yeah. you know, it's hard to sort of go back to the school line and Yeah, the old mon- the old Monday here. normal life is a bit sort of yeah. uh, plain Jane. Yeah. So I think, you know, I mean, we know a lot more now, obviously, the amygdala and what happens when we get these heightened senses. But, you know, we even back then, we didn't really talk about it. You know, we got drunk or, yeah. you mm. know, we we coped as we could cope. And I think that was one of the things for me because I'd watched my pop, you know, what they called back then shell shock. Yep. And then I'd watched my dad with PTSD and, you know, no one knew how to treat him. He was just this angry asshole, you know. So it was sort of when I came back, I was like, mm, but it's got to be something better we can do. And when I started having a family, that's when I sort of went, okay, let's stop this, let's heal this yep. in my generation at yeah. least so my kids don't go through the same thing. So you sought the treatment yourself? Yeah, I, I saw, well, I sought no more like I broke down initially because we were deploying somewhere else. I'd gone and done... Um, I'd left sort of the warry field and I'd gone and become an international cat A hydrographic surveyor, yep. which I'd done in the UK. And I came back and I'd done a few jobs, XO jobs and navigating jobs. And literally one day I had to go to work and I just couldn't. Yep. I, just, I literally just, it wasn't anything. I don't remember anything spectacular. Just couldn't leave the house. And I said to my husband at the time, I was like, yeah, this isn't good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cause I was I was gonna ask that. So you had um, a husband and kids when you were in the navy. Still. Yeah. So no, I my husband was he was yep. also navy. Yep. Yep. Um, but no, I didn't have kids till I'd right at the end, and then okay. I left. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I was curious. Obviously, to us blokes, like yeah. it's like you know, you just you just have your normal job. But I don't yeah. know what it's like for women who have yep. kids. Yeah. Or, I, back know. then, it was kind of hard because that was sort of the end. I mean, you can't go to sea yeah. when you have children. Yeah. That's a whole. Oh, is that completely off when you've got children? Well, you can. But Depends I mean, how old they are, I guess. Oh, yeah. oh okay. A lot yeah. of women did and I watched a lot of women yep. do it. I mean, that's a whole. Imagine other. being the bloke and having your kid when they're real young and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> your wife's off to. You'd be like, get her get back. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, so you joined quite young at 17, um, four years of training. How did you find stepping out of school and into full-blown military life? And in particular, what were the main challenges you faced? Yeah, I was a bit luckier, I think, again, because, you know, I'd grown up with veterans in my family. Yep, okay. My dad, like, the academy seemed quite cool to me after growing up with my dad. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, he... he He'd have us out patrolling the backyard at 2am because he was, you know, having a crazy time. Yeah. So I was hugely prepared for what I was stepping into, like I knew. But I still found it incredibly challenging. I mean, I was still young and back back then in the academy, there was a lot of bastardisation going along. It was literally Lord of the Flies. Okay. So, you know, I struggled with that a little bit. Um, I was going to touch on that because um, we all know the military is very much a bro culture. Yeah. Um, whether or not they're trying to fix that now, um, I'm assuming they're saying they are. But was that a massive change or was? Yeah, I struggled actually with that probably the most because, you know, I'd come from a family. My mum's very strong and sort of been in control and run businesses. So my dad all you know his sort of faults and PTSD he was quite feminist in his views he was like you want to go drive a warship you go drive a warship yeah 
So when I first sort of got into the military and it was really was that bro culture, you know, and you mm. had to, you know, drive a ship twice as good sort of for half okay. the recognition, I did struggle with that a lot because I can remember literally thinking, oh, God, like they think because I'm female I'm not as good. This is, this is weird to me. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't. yeah. But I have seen it get better and I think they are working hard to shift that culture but it was still well and yep. truly Full. alive. And, I mean, not it, it's sometimes, you know, it's, it's interesting. I can remember when I was first bringing the ship alongside and, it, you know, it was only me and there was six blokes all standing around having a giggle about, you know, women parallel parking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, which <laughs> yeah. you sort of have a giggle but when you, yeah. when you think of it now as a mum, like I'd be like, I tear them to shreds, like yeah. leave my girl alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then that you know when you go and nail it, yeah. um, it's just like, yeah. Well, but that was just so yeah. normal. I didn't even mm. see that as a yeah. Like I wasn't even like, oh, this is really inappropriate. I was just like, oh, roll my eyes. I'll show you how it's done. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people think it's kind of innocent banter. Yeah, as well, but now you look back on it, you're like, uh, it's, it is a little borderline unacceptable, you know, yeah. especially to a high ranking officer as well. So, you know, if you're sitting there and giggling at an officer, mm. man, I'd, I'd be putting them straight on duty. Yeah, I'd be like, I how's this? Like, did you, yeah, yeah did, did, did you get your back on? You go, yeah, yeah, I did in my own ways. Yeah, <laughs> you, don't, you don't mind working too. this weekend, do you, mate? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, well, we'll be cleaning the decks, but yep. <laughs> you'll find that with leadership anyway, you earn respect if you're a good leader. Yeah, 100%. You know, so I really, from my troops, I never had issues. Yeah, like so leading by troops, example, yeah, got that respect. I never had issues, like, I love them all still to this day, and mm. they're all people I would count on. People outside. Yeah, maybe yep. other officers, not yep. so much. Oh, yeah. So more peers and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. And we, we could definitely go on uh, all night about fresh subbies coming into um, oh. the battalion and all thinking there, all that. And just trying to cement their authority straight <laughs> yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Um, so for us that aren't well naval versed, what exactly is a hydrographic surveyor? So the easiest way you can sort of describe it is obviously you'll drive using Google, a street map. Yep. Yep. So we make three-dimensional maps. So we include the tide, the ocean. So it's really we're just really street map makers yep. but for the ocean. So we yeah, do wow. the coastline, the depths. Yeah. So that, that's that's mapping obviously the underwater yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. cool! That's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah, fab, yeah. it's amazing stuff. So a lot of our work was, and this is what really appealed to me, was up you know remote Papua New Guinea and yeah. Yeah. all these untouched places yeah. around the world. Because I mean, Australia ourselves, I think we've mapped two percent of our yep. coastline, and then oh, you yeah. think that's shifting constantly anyway. So it's really making street maps but based on probability. So we say, look, yeah, if you yeah. drive down this road, you've got 70% chance you won't hit a sandbar. Yeah. yeah. You know, and people yeah. Go, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because, I mean, you see even like the old submarine movies mm. and you've got to go this way for that long and this way and I didn't realise that was actually like a job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah. So you'd have all the secret fishing spots up between the yeah, Cape and Papua. Oh. Yeah, there's a shoal between here and Papua New Guinea, and we nicknamed it O2 Shoal, and you literally just park the boat next to it in Trevally. You wake up in the morning and it's... Just, oh, no. We'll we, have to get the need, GPS. We're going to need to get some GPS. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll need exact Longitude, latitude. Locations, tides, everything, sun. <laughs> yeah, we'll need all the that. The Navy guys would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> secret, secret bro code. She's already told us, by the way, so. Um, yeah, yeah, it was offline. Yeah. It was offline to the fuckers. <laughs> yeah, we'll be out there. Um, but now we know it's a shoal, I guess we've got a better chance. Yeah, you'll find it with your boat. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'll have we to got, bribe we got another. A depth, we got a depth sounder, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt we'll find it. Um, so you were awarded the Hugh Parthard Memorial Award for Excellence and Leadership. It's quite the achievement um, and one that I'm quite sure you're proud of. Have these leadership skills that you acquired in the Navy flowed into your business life now and led to your success as a businesswoman and a speaker too? Yeah, I think so because one of the things um, I really quickly worked out is that people appreciate authenticity. Yep. Like people really resonate. You know, if one of my sailors was struggling or it wasn't so much here's what I expect, it was literally how can I help, what's happening, talk to me, you know, and I think I've always carried that through with everything. If I talk to someone, I genuinely care about their answer when someone comes in my shop or someone's having a problem, like I genuinely care to help them. And I think I see so much, particularly in my sort of industry, is what I call this culture of toxic positivity. This culture of chin up and, you know, you've got to keep going hard, you know, bust through. And I, I just don't think that's true anymore. I think people need to be told it's okay to not be okay and have safe places. And I've always tried to do that, whether I communicate with someone I've just met, whether I'm running my business. Like I won't do business with someone unless, you know, I know their story. I know where they make their product, what their product means to them, you know. So I think in that way, yeah, leadership within the Navy and really harnessing that and realising, you know, I also had the luxury of having witnessed a lot of bad leaders a lot mm. of people that would scream or throw rollers and and I would think, can't you tell that these people aren't listening to you? Yeah. Can't you tell that they're totally disengaged? So you yeah. might have the authority to scream, but there's no power in that. Yeah. You're not achieving it's anything. It's just someone yeah. having a tantrum. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. People just close off to it. They literally yeah. do and I can remember And they laugh that. at them behind their backs yeah. as well, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I just I remember thinking, I don't want to be that. I want people to want to work with me because they trust that I have their best interests. Mm. I don't want them just to come with me because they have to. It like what you're talking with the subbies. Yeah. Coming yeah. In. yeah. And yeah. military really used to teach that style of leadership, this big alpha aggressive, yeah. you know, I'm the biggest dog. And I, I mean, that might work in high impact situations, but I think longevity, long term, people just switch off from that. Mm. Yeah, and you know, there's that saying "lead by example." It's I think like, that's I think that's the best the best thing that anyone yeah, can say. It speaks yeah. for itself. Yeah, um, it it definitely does still have its place. I think um, in high impact situations like infantry, yeah. I would say, and special forces definitely does have its place. Like I have no drama, and did have no drama in getting beasted by. Um, a yeah, leader that yeah. knew what he was doing. Oh, and but I that's because he's already led by example. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Oh, I would absolutely, if I had explained something to you and you were deliberately obtuse or you oh, were yeah. doing your job, yeah. I have no qualms in, yep. and again, wouldn't be in an aggressive, overly rude way, but just direct, clear communication. You mm. know better, you're not doing better, therefore this is the result. Yep. Yeah, and it's a two-way street because your subordinates have to um, – you know, they have to put in the effort too because well, you're, you're just trying though, to make them better. If you lead by example and you are that person, I found they'll beat themselves up way before you need to beat them up. Yeah. They already know they've let you down. They've let the side down. They're already carrying. Yeah. yeah. They know if you're a genuine, proper, well-led unit, <coughs> people want to do yeah. the right thing. Yeah, 100%. You want to work for that person. Yeah. And the team. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah, it's a um, – there's nothing worse. Oh, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. 
Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Are you angry, mum? No, I'm just. Oh, my mum just used to just put her hand, her her head in her hand, and just go silent for ten minutes, yep. and you're like, oh no, I've stuffed up. <laughs> it's, it's very much the same in the military too. I'm just yeah. disappointed in you, Private Phil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you said it. Oh, multiple times. <laughs> Probably just a couple. Of multiple times. times yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, jeez. Flashbacks. Um, yeah, I, mean, I am getting flashbacks. He's going to have dreams. So, um, we have quite the female audience, um, not necessarily in real life, but in our Web3 um, environment. And I know they are dying to hear this episode because uh, not a lot of people get um, influential females on um, in our space. But could you talk us through um, how you started Dijo Life? Yeah. Um, when I fell pregnant, again, as I'd said earlier, when I fell pregnant with my first daughter, I really had that aha moment because, I, you know, I was suffering my own PTSD. Um, I wasn't doing well. I'd been abusing alcohol, you know, all the usual things. Yep. And I and I really had a moment where I looked at myself and I went, is this really the best you can do? Like, is this really you living your best life for her, for your family? And, you know, when you really look at yourself in the mirror and go, Nope, nope, that's not the best I can do. So I went, right, okay, let's change this. So I literally went to the library and I was like, I need to start reading. I need to educate myself. I need to learn about PTSD. I need to learn about different methods of healing. And I actually found a book on soul retrieval that the shamans practice. And it was so eye-opening to me, you know, when they talked about how when we suffer traumas, particularly as children, parts of us break off, which also aligns with science. You know, we detach, yeah. detachment theory. And until we can bring these parts back to us, we don't operate as a whole person. We can mask them with alcohol, with drugs, with whatever, workaholic. Mm. But until we yeah. actually bring those parts back of us and understand what's going on, we won't be whole. So I made that my mission. That makes and heaps of sense. Yeah. yeah, so I went, okay, I need to bring all of these parts back and I and one thing that became really clear to me was that there had to be, and no one was really talking about this, so I was like, there has to be a generational aspect because I watched my grandfather sit in his shed, drink port, smoke cigarettes, you know, and then I watched my dad battle alcohol and, yeah. and yeah. then I was doing the same thing and I was like, this is generational too, like we need to heal generationally what's running through this family. Mm. So, yeah, then I think once you own that, it's about not making excuses and actually doing the work. And, again, I see this a lot in modern day, this toxic positivity, you know. I'll get a massage or I'll do this, but it's not real true self-help. And how I started Dido was doing the disciplined work, yeah. which means learning mindfulness, learning yoga, and then being disciplined in your practice, calling your behaviours out. And so what I was doing is I was helping a lot of local girls who were doing yoga and they sort of said, Sarah, this is brilliant. Like I've never come from this holistic approach. And they said you should write it down. Then I wrote a book. It did really well. And then, yeah, it just sort of grew, which, again, I think it's authentic. You know, I didn't set out to go, okay, we're going to conquer the self-help world. Yep. Here's yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. literally came from a place, how can I help you? And then more people and it resonates with people. I think, yeah, that's basically how Dijo started. And then I wanted to get into the 
my artistic design too, which is another aspect of myself. So that's how the shop and my designs have started. Are you still um, taking yoga or doing yoga classes? Uh, only myself. They're, okay. they're trying to hit me up at the moment. <laughs> I might be doing a class next year. I think it's yeah. something um, we all definitely need to practice um, on, on a very serious note actually yeah. Um, to keep the body ticking over and probably for that wellness that you're talking about as well. It does have a lot of positive um, effects. Well, it's understanding and I say it a lot with people, you know, they try and get into yoga and they're like, you know, I'm doing this. So I'm like, it's not so much about what you're doing, it's about understanding why your body can't do things. Like I watch a lot of people, you see military people have rolled forward oh, shoulders. 100%, yeah. That's because we subconsciously are protecting ourselves. It's a lot about just the breath working and, and breath. calming yourself yep. that, that way anyway, yep. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it really is because we all shallow breathe and we know that breath is our connection to life. Yeah. You know, but it's allowing that mind to slow down because especially military people and service military people, war, you know, we're constantly in the front of our heads. We're ready for anything. We're mm. always on edge. Yeah. So it's actually taking a step back and getting out of that and allowing your body to calm, which yeah. is where yoga is so powerful. And hopefully someone um, in power is listening to this. Maybe they could uh, look at adding yoga to DVA instead of just making it um, – videos that they've done i've seen yeah. that you know they offer yoga as a um, treatment but then you click on it and it's just a video yeah like, and i think you yoga, click again like you said you know you have to have that authentic teacher yeah you have to have that person that's taking a journey with you that's not ashamed to get in the trenches yeah you know. i have heard and, i have heard of um boys doing yoga for like for rehabilitation and sort of their own sort of self Rosie was doing it after um after he left. Oh yeah, he's a he's a yogi, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. He, he um unfortunately he had to call it quits after with COVID. Okay. But um but he was doing that for years and he was getting people through that sort of like he brilliant. was making a business out of it. Yeah, brilliant. Um and helping people through it like that and he he rates it. Yeah. And it's also this is the thing people don't know. Yoga is actually really hard if you do it properly. Like, yeah, it's well, incredible. I've done I've done one not. session in the gym, yeah. and yeah, I was doing a couple of downward dogs, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this this feels a bit weird. <laughs> I think that's why it's good to um, have that physical sort of um, space to be able to do it too. Because how do you know if you're doing it right, yeah. correctly? Yeah. And um, I'm sure you know it's a pretty old sort of um, thing. So there's a reason why yeah. you know it's it's yeah. like. When going to the gym and not having a trainer yeah, to show you how to do stuff. You need to be critiqued. Yeah. yeah. But it's, there's always been this sort of um, idea around military. And we've always understand that if you know anything, Bowen therapy, which is another really powerful therapy that works on meridian lines, that was started by a Vietnam veteran. Yeah, right. You know, he was, there's so many veterans that come at this holistic approach. And I think we're getting better at breaking down the walls. You know, I'm a big man. I don't do yoga. Yeah. Mm. You know, I think people are getting better at that. I think yeah. people are going, oh, actually, no, I'm, I'm open to anything that will. Yeah. I think that's getting broken down uh, quite rapidly, actually, like um, like um, Ryan just said, you know, he's a big man that um, was doing yoga. So, you know, I think it's slowly, oh, actually, quickly getting yeah. adopted by more people. People are seeing the benefits quite quickly, like eating clean, um, going to natural foods, uh, yoga, like alternate therapies other than just getting pills jammed down your throat by a doctor now. Yeah, exactly. And I think people too are coming now. We're getting better at understanding and this is probably another point with my leadership. I think true leaders understand that they're vulnerable. Yep. True leaders have the ability to be vulnerable 
in an open setting. And I think people are getting a lot better now at recognising that too. Yeah. Hey, look how brave she is. She's vulnerable. She can stand up there and say she yeah. hasn't got it all together mm. rather than showing someone this glossy image of someone doing yoga and how perfect her life is, actually saying, hey, I do this because I'm so messy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a different approach for and, people. And it's okay. And it's yeah. okay. We're yeah. all messy. You know, this glossy world we present is yep. just not true. Yeah. You know? Oh, 100%. And, you know, Instagram only makes that worse. I only put my good pictures up there and they're still horrendous. <laughs> I was going to say. Just you got, fishing photos. you got a lot of photos for um, – <laughs> Just straight fishing photos are terrible, actually. Um, the same fish. Yo, if you need some inspiration. Honestly, he just poses with my fish anyway. Uh, I've got fish from years back that I just rinse and repeat now. So, you know, it makes my life look like I'm just fishing all the time. Uh, so has there been a pivotal moment of failure in your business or has it been relatively smooth sailing and calm water, excuse the pun? Yeah, no. See, I chose, again, I thought COVID here and I was like, okay, let's take the next step. It's COVID. It's probably the worst time in the world. If you can start something and it's not bad, yep. then it'll be okay. Mm. And I did and it's been great. So touch wood, there hasn't been a pivotal failure yet. But, again, I think, you know, if you're doing what you love, I mean, even if you make mistakes, they're not necessarily failures. They'll open you up. Yeah, I've yeah, made yeah. Mistakes, yeah, but yeah. they've opened up new avenues, and I've gone, oh, didn't even, mm. didn't even. See, know that see, was... the boys, the boys asked me the same question, and I didn't know how to answer because I was like, I don't really class anything as a failure. Yeah, you come exactly. into problems, you come into problems, and you work a way to get the past the problem or fix the problem, and then you just learn from that, and you don't yeah. do that again. Yeah, so exactly. yeah, it depends on your attitude. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think exactly right. If yeah. everything's a learning opportunity, yep. you don't really see. Yeah, as far as I've yeah. had, I've done a few things. That I'm like, oh, that was a silly learning experience. Yeah, but it's, avoided that. It's but. good to it's good to know we're all human. We all make mistakes, but yeah, if you can if you can learn from it and keep going, then that's ultimately the yeah, best that's, the best thing possible. Yeah, that, that's like um, uh, I'm sure you had the same saying in the navy. You know, it's a, it is a lesson learned. Yeah. Um, you just got to move on and. Um, you just got to try not to make that mistake again, I guess. Yeah. And I think, again, be gentle with yourself. Like military, like you said, you know, we make a mistake and it's such a boom, boom, boom. Well, it's the end of the world. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, so I yeah. think being able to go, hey, it's my business. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll yeah, I mean, do it again. I mean, not having your right <laughs> shoelace over the left shoelace. Don't um, give me a couple of drinks, I'll make that mistake. We're all yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Business-wise, are you – or what are your plans from here? So you've got the store. Yeah. You might be going back into yoga. Yep. So what's your um, five- to ten-year plan? Is there a plan in place? Yeah, I don't too – Like expansion I even? don't too much make plans anymore because I think that often, you know, again, a bit of this toxic culture, everyone's got to have a goal, everyone's got to have a plan. I think mm. sometimes you set yourself up for failure. Yeah. I think sometimes – the true joy is just found in enjoying the moment and, and that's what I found here. It's just organically growing. You know, people have started approaching me saying, Sarah, I'd love to stock your dresses. So, again, they're people that have come to me. They're lovely. They're organic. So I'm like, okay. So I think we'll slowly expand into other like-minded shops. Yep. Um, I've got girls coming in. They're going to be working full-time and then I can focus more getting back to I really do miss sort of the big event talking, yep. having – connecting because it, it is a different experience you know when you can literally help people shift and change their lives so i want to get back into that i really enjoy that it's but terrifying 
No, I love it. Oh, I did one on Sunday and it, oh, I am legit yeah, petrified of it. Before oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I'm, it is my worst fear. Like, I'd rather be shot at than stand in front of 200 people and talk. Oh, really? Yeah. But I think oh. he killed you, it, though. He nailed yeah, it. Yeah, you would have killed it. Yeah. yeah. Next I, time, just think, literally think to yourself, these people want the best for me. I, I am very good at, um, you know, work working the crowd to my weakness, yeah. which is obviously my shakes and my stuttery voice yeah. when in front of people, but um, I can make them um, believe that it's for a reason. Yeah. Um, so the crowd was very persuaded um, and receptive of that. But if you're, Again, if your message is authentic, it's you. Oh, 100%. People, people don't care how you deliver mm. it. Yeah. Like I've got up there sometimes and just cried. Oh, oh I couldn't <laughs> oh. And they're like, oh, come on, darling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, um, they sort of um, stop and they stop thinking about why you're so nervous and if you're authentic. And I don't know why. It's so funny. I've done like, you know, 500 people and been fine. And oh, that's horrible. But I did once not long ago a little legacy dinner and there was yep. like 10 people and I could not stop crying. Yep. I just, I was, a, and they were like, they're all at the end. They're all giving me a cuddle. Yeah. We're all standing up together. Yeah. You know, I just, it's interesting though, nerves, isn't it? It's, oh, oh. Probably because uh, there's a more of an intimate feeling when, when with smaller right crowd. Yeah. yeah. And you're bearing that yeah. soul, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so for expansion, I think I'll just keep going with the flow, letting it organically grow. I haven't literally ever put down a goal or an end point. I just – I'm really conscious of the fact that as it grows, it's growing what's organically, what's yep. the right fit, what's yep. – you know, I don't have business mentors, I don't – very, yeah. it's, a, it's a more, it's a holistic business too. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And so I don't think we touched on it yet, but um, what sort of skills did you gain when you were in the Navy that like you've been able to transfer? Cause, Definitely. Because we see a lot of um, people who, um, you know, they're not sure what to do. They might be a bit scared to go yeah. out on their own, yeah. but they might really want to. And we like highlighting, you know, you do have the right yeah. skills in the, in the arsenal to be able to. Go out and well, I mean, I'm like a, I'm a ship driver and I now design clothes. Yeah. Like I've never done a course. I've never, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I think the thing the military gives you, and particularly if you've seen active service and like you know that you'll be okay. Yeah. Like you know that you'll get through. You know you're adaptable. You know you're resilient. You know that you're strong mentally. You know, you know that you can go without sleep. Yeah. You know that you can do all these things. And I think because – you know that of yourself, you downplay that. But when you actually go out into civil world, not a lot of people can do that. Yeah, Like it's, it's not true. a skill set people have. And like I know that I could be up all night with my kids and have a terrible night, but I know that I'll front up yeah. tomorrow yeah. because I know that's in me because it's always been in me. I've always had to do that. Yep. Whereas you watch other people like, oh, I've had too bad a night, I'm not opening today. Or, well, yeah, you hold yourself accountable. You do. Yeah. We hold ourselves to such a high standard. Yep. I think that's what makes us so successful in business. I watch so many people make excuses or this isn't happening, but I always find military people like Ben that you just spoke to. Mm. Ben will come down and be like, Sarah, it's a quiet day today. Is it me? <laughs> Is it the arcade? <laughs> yeah. Is there a boat in town? Well, I'm like, Ben, just. Breathe, mate. Breathe, mate. <laughs> but, you know, he's not – he doesn't sit there and go, oh, it's the end of the world, I'm going mm. home. He's yep. like, okay, what can we do? Trying to be proactive. He's always looking and, and exactly that's the other thing I find. Military people are proactive. Mm. Like they look for opportunities. And, again, I think because it's in our DNA, like what's going to happen next? Am mm. I prepared for it? Is a ship going to come? Um, yeah, are we going to go to action stations? Like 
something is going to happen. So I'm going to think of 30 scenarios yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that I've got them covered when they hit. Yeah, yeah, which then almost becomes that little bit of anxiety sort of just rolling things through your head. It yeah, because I, I find sometimes I need to properly switch off at night because I'll go to bed and I'm my own worst enemy. I go to bed, check my calendar, who have I got in tomorrow, read yeah. his email, and then I've yeah. got an hour of lying in bed thinking about what I'm going to do with the design. You're like, read this shit in the morning, you yeah. dickhead. Yeah. Like, yeah, because you just... But we're so ingrained to be professional. Yeah. And I think that's what makes us like, you'll never go into a military person's business and be, and they'll be like, hey, what's up? Oh, sorry, yeah. I didn't see your email, dude. <laughs> like, what are you yeah. here for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just wouldn't. Yeah. Like, you probably get... God, calm down, you know. Yeah, I'm the same. Three minutes early. What are we? <laughs> yeah, well, I like if I if I know I've got something really big happening that day, I'll set the alarm for six. Yeah. But then the body, I get up at three. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm just like I'm just ready, you know, and the body's just. But that acknowledges is such a skill set that mm. yeah. I think we downplay in the military because we all do it. And the ability to be able to operate when yep. you're waking up way yep. earlier. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. On minimal hours sleep. And mm. we don't tend to make excuses. Like I've never walked into a military person's business and they've gone, oh, it's not working today because of this. Because I'm tired. literally yeah, own yeah. it. Yeah. Like they'll always – or they're, you know. So I think it might not necessarily be, you know, I drive ships so now I'm going to do a charter boat. Like, a, you know, but I think it's understanding that you have this whole skill set. Mm. Yeah. Ingrained. Yeah, ingrained in you. Yeah. 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 You just have to find a way to express those skills, I guess, um, sort of transfer them out of army talk into civilian or military talk yeah. into civilian talk. And I think find, you know, what you're passionate. Like you obviously love tattoo, mm. tattooing. Like find what it is you love and, yep. you know, just have a crack. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter, you know. Like yeah. we opened this, I think, with twenty thousand bucks, and yeah, you know, just have a crack. Mm. And I think that's the thing you got to get rid of in military, particularly. I see we carry a lot of shame. Like I need to be successful, mm-hmm. and I think if we can, you know, care less about what people think and actually just have a crack. And if it doesn't work, oh well, it didn't work. You know, I'll try something different. Yeah. But releasing that fear of even having a crack. Yeah, well, you're going to miss every shot that you don't take. Yeah, exactly. The best business lessons are learnt from, you know, not so successful ventures too. They really are. And Richard Branson talks about that a lot. He's great. You know, he started his lots of businesses that failed. And he said, I just went, oh, it failed. Yeah. So I started something else. Yeah, rinse and repeat. They Mm. don't take it as I'm a failure. They take it as the business failed. You know, so I think for military people in particular, it's so ingrained in us not to fail. I think that stops a lot of people from even starting. Yeah. And uh, you touched on it just then. You only started with $20,000. I think a lot of... um, Especially army boys and army women think they need mass amounts of money yeah. to start these businesses. Yeah. You really don't. And yeah. this is the thing, like, best bit of advice, especially if you want a little shop or you're doing something, go in and negotiate. Like, you yeah. bring a strong skill set. There's a lot of empty businesses. Yep. Go in and say, mate, I'm going to come in for six months rent-free, but I'm going to guarantee I'm, I'm no good at that, am I? <laughs> I've learned to get better. But, yeah, you sorry, keep going. Be, yeah. yeah, you have yeah. to. And you have to fight your corner, you know, don't mm. be scared mm. to ask that, you know, I this is what I want, Yep. you know, because you're going to bring something because you know you'll give it a good crack. Yep. Um, yeah, that's time. unreal. Yeah, that's really good advice. I, th- I think that's a big issue. People think they need too much money. Uh, but I would also like to add, you know, you should be saving a lot of your military career um, money as well. 
Um, you get <laughs> everything. Not that I saved a red Did cent. Did anyone save this? <laughs> oh, I, look, I blew my Afghan money in two months. I saved, yeah. <laughs> I saved a little bit. Yeah, I saved a little bit, but yeah. I was 21 years old, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't save any. Yeah. They need to be putting people on a saving structure, I believe. You know, just stashing 20%. They could do 20%. a better effort, the military, in helping people. Yeah, just though. financial education. Yeah. 100%. Would go a long way. ADCU hit me up about three months before they knew I was obviously going to Afghan, saying, do I want to increase my credit card limit? And I was like, you beauty. Yeah. Uh, you mean oh, I can get more money? I, I was like, bloody oath, give me some more money. Free money. Max the whole thing out before I went over. And I, of course, paid it off when I went back, when I went overseas. But yeah, yeah I think I loaded 20, 20K or something. Yeah. From from seven grand, they upped me another like, 13. So you know? It is. Each, it really is. Yeah. It's yeah. disgusting, really. Yeah. It's um, entry. Yeah. Hey, look, Gouging. I wasn't thinking that at the time. I was, I was stoked at it. Yeah. yeah. Again, like you're 20 years old then, so I'm like, bloody oath, give me that money. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> I, I would love to see them implement some kind of saving strategy. You know, if it's even if it's just 10% of their wage put aside into escrow or something, I don't know. Uh, yeah. There's got to be something because you do earn a decent wage. So, you know, if you were to get out with sort of you know, 50 grand saved, you'd be in a lot better spot to yeah, exactly. again, again, start a business. Blowing that Afghan money so quickly has taught me a lesson to never take for granted a hundred grand because I've been working hard and I don't have a hundred grand. You That's know a lot I mean? of money. Like, mm. and, and again, since Afghan, never got a credit card ever again after Afghan. Yeah. So again, like, you know, you I, I, I've racked yeah. up 20 G's on the credit card. I, I blew my hundred grand Afghan money in two months. I learned from those mistakes. You know what I mean? So Pretty again, good two their, months. Their, their life, yeah, there was a good two months. <laughs> 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 their good life experiences in itself, you know, where where it sort of helped me. But yeah, yeah, perfect. And I think we can um, sort of get to the final end of the podcast here. But you know, we're speaking about transitions. So, what would be your best advice, or do you have a checklist um, that you would give to people that are about to transition out of the military? And contemplating starting a business or even just contemplating going back to work. Yeah, I think the first thing that I really see repeated over and over again is that I think people need to realise when you leave the military, the vast majority of us will grieve mm. because you've literally left this brotherhood, sisterhood, this yep. family, this, you know, this great structure that supports you and loves you and you literally walk out the door and it's gone. Well, you're institutionalised. You are. Yeah. And that there is a real, I found for me and most people I know, there's a real grieving period where you feel like you're ripped apart from that family, you're a little yeah. bit lost. And I think, um, I know I've spoke about this a lot with the military and the RSL, we need to do a better job of transitioning people. Mm. Um, and then so I'd say give yourself time. Um, it's really hard because for each person it's going to be different. Like if you're a go-getter, some friends I've seen leave and then they're like, holy shit, freedom! Yeah. And they just, you know, and they they're excel, now heads yeah. of corporations. Yeah, there. Yeah. But other people will always struggle with that sense of loss of community, you know, and they, they don't feel as comfortable going out on their own. So I think if you know that you're a bit of a go-getter and you know that you like to have a crack, I think you're naturally going to flow towards that. But I think don't beat yourself up either if that's not you. Yep. Like if you're more of a team player and, you know, you're going to be better in a group business, you're going to be better in another tight community group, 
You know, because I don't think, to be honest, business isn't for everyone. Yeah. No. no. Like, it's, it's hard, hard work. It's yeah, it's really hard work. Long hours. And then you got your basses, you got your taxes. Oh, and, it does your oh, head in. Oh, my God. Especially if you're like me and you hate giving money to the Yeah. Company. It feels like you've just It feels like you've just done one. It feels like you've just done one. Then next minute you've got to submit another one. Ten, four, five back. And it is tricky, yeah, solo business because you do everything. And then if you've got staff members even added, yeah. Yeah, everything. So, like, it's a lot. And mm. in a lot of ways, sometimes it is easier to work for someone else yeah. and have, if that suits your lifestyle better, you know. What What about study? Because I'm going to say something a little bit controversial here. Um, I believe that officers get a little bit better run when they leave for one real reason. Um, they've got, they've got, <laughs> got, one. got one. Well, yeah, one. One real reason. Because they've got an education. Yeah. Um, I would say the majority of officers are coming out with degrees. Um, so they're a little bit in front when no, they come in. I'd argue actually most of the sailors I saw actually had it better because they had okay. transferable skill sets. So they okay. were electricians, they were plumbers, they were okay, yep. technicians. They literally walked into – like my husband was a P-rate, which we call in the Navy, electric. he walked into an electrical job, Yeah, $150,000 a year. Me, I'm a Cato hydrographic surveyor. <laughs> yeah. Like unless I'm getting $300,000 a year as a harp master in Hobart, yeah. which is few yeah. and far between, I have no transferable skill set. Yeah. So, again, plugging the Navy yeah. really because, I mean, the Army, you don't really come out with for anything Navy, like that. Navy, yeah. it certainly, I feel, was a lot better for the junior 100%. sailors because they had that transferable skill set and we looked after with that for the officers. I mean, literally when I left, I wasn't even qualified to drive a tinny. They didn't even oh, transfer my navigational skills. Like I'd really? have how many hours, I don't even know. I had to go and get a license to drive a tinny. Wow. 700 bucks. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Wow. So not even like Masters 5 or anything no, like that? I, don't, I think they've fixed it up now. I'm not 100% sure I'm out of the loop, but I literally left, yeah, with nothing. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I can't even go and hire a crab boat. And <laughs> that's, that's getting back to the <laughs> I ADF, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It depends again. Like, yes, if you're a lawyer, you know, it. we have a saying in the Navy, choose your rate, choose your fate. Yeah. You know, if you've got a longevity plan, mm. some people are really smart at it, yeah. others not so much. And not everyone's suited to uni either. Like, yeah, uni I, I know I I'm not. getting a bit more obsolete now. Yeah. So yeah, basically, your, your statement's been blown well and truly oh, yeah. out of the water. Um, yeah, I'm happy to. He seems um, okay with yeah, that. I'm fine with that. You know, skin off my nose. Um, we'll wait for a He'll be at the pub. He's like, I can't believe I'm like, 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 I'm Oh, so making yeah. a million dollars in Melbourne. Well, I hope Kelly fun. listens to this. Um, and my partner, because she's a lawyer, hear that you can make a million dollars in Melbourne, and I yeah. won't have to work again. Um, that's no the pressure, ideal no situation. Yeah, that's the ideal situation. What, You're what, on a why mill. Is, why is it a wee thing? Yeah, it's, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah it, it definitely won't be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I got to sip it in there. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll still be working. That's one hundred percent sure. Um, so that um, pretty much brings us to the end of our podcast. Um, I just want to thank you for having us in your store today, um, you know, to um, get three, you know, sort of tattooed up um, dudes coming into your store. Um, 
is it's it's different for us. So I'm sure a little bit different for you as well. No, um, so pretty it's pretty usual. Oh, really? Yeah, all the tattoo dudes getting dresses. Oh, it's <laughs> quite common. It is cans. Yeah. <laughs> um, arguably the biggest guest we've had on our show so far. Oh, uh, that's not it, nice. It was a great podcast as well, I must say. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah thank great. you. Thanks for chatting with me too. And I love what you guys are doing. Like it's brilliant. Yep. Thank it's you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate um, it. It'll, you know, be it'll be good when we when we get properly off the off the ground and run with it with a bit of backing, I reckon, just from just from the hustle of just doing it for a yeah. while, yeah. But I think too, like you guys remember, I know we're closing, but like this is the glory moment. Like mm. this is the authentic moment. You guys are doing it because you want to. Yeah. And it screams that, mm. you know, you're not doing it to make gazillions. You're doing it because you're passionate. Yeah. yeah. It'll make a difference. Yeah. Oh, look, if Spotify is going to sponsor us for $100 million like Joe Rogan, we're all about that, you know. <laughs> um, oh, God, Joe Rogan. Stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. a different podcast. Yeah, here, here we, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But, yeah. you know, we um, aim to empower all veterans and I think we uh, portrayed that and will achieve that through this episode. I also get the feeling that this will empower a big part of our audience as well in the space that we dance around in being Web3. Um, so just to wrap it up, where can everyone find your socials, your published book and, you know, the store here as well for people um, when they come to Cairns? Yeah, so we've got um, Life, D-I-J-O-Life.com. Perfect. That will usually give you a link to everything. You can see sort of the shop, my book, probably pictures of my kids because I do my own website too. Awesome. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I love it. Uh, but, yeah, if they get on there. And they can always come visit us in Cairns here. We're in Oceana Walk. Perfect. In, I think between Grafton and Lake Street. Yes, looking at the wrong I know, person. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking I at the fella here. from Bathurst. <laughs> well. yeah, yeah. I live here and I don't even know which, I, I don't even know what street we're on and I live here. So. Well, we're in Cairns. Yeah, I know yeah, that bit, yeah. And I'm going to have a parking ticket too, we're so that's going to be north. fantastic. <laughs> Google will tell you. Yeah. yeah, and also, like, I love to. I reach out to lots of veterans, so Perfect. I get lots of messages and that. And I love, don't ever be scared to send me an email or let me know. Or, I'm going to buy one of your candles. Before I go, because oh. they're going to be good. He's trying to spruce up his man cave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they smell that good. I need to get one. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we've got a slight dog issue at our place at the moment, so we might need some more scent too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to send the missus down; she can sort that out. But um, once again, thank you for having us. The War Dogs NFT mission and team and all related podcast episodes and content are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer or other professional.